We are bringing back the Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia. The greatest fans of the world have their Super Bowl. Welcome back to the British Eagles podcast in association with Passionk Avenue. Free agency has been very tasty so far and we've got a sweet treat for you as we continue to delve deep into the Philadelphia Eagles organisation. This week we speak to Tim Lopez who is the first cook at the Philadelphia Eagles and we talk about what the players love to eat and the role his team plays in keeping the players nutritioned and energised. But before we get to that interview with Tim, by the time you're listening to this, the draw for the signed Dallas Goddard with Philadelphia Eagles ball will likely have been made. So go and check out our social media channels to find out who the lucky person is who's won that. Becoming a British Eagles member isn't closed and we've got some exciting competitions coming up for our members. If you're not a British Eagles member, get signed up. Check out the website for more details. If you are a member, keep an eye out because like I say, the these prizes are pretty cool. So without further ado, let's get to the interview with Tim and find out just what goes on in those kitchens at the Philadelphia Eagles. So Tim, thank you so much for joining us on the British Eagles podcast. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I appreciate your time, sir. So tell us about your role at the Eagles. All right. Uh, I have kind of a dual role at the Eagles. I am a first cook for Flick Hospitality, which is the uh, food service company that runs the uh, cafeteria here at the Eagles Novacare Complex in South Philadelphia. Uh, been the first cook for about 12 years, uh, basically responsible for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, along with the other chefs that I work with, cooking and providing for our team coaches, staff, and um, other folks that work with the Philadelphia Eagles. We pretty much cook for everybody in the building at the Eagles Novacare Complex. Also, our stadium staff, our grounds crew, uh, anybody involved with the team in any aspect will come through these doors uh, and we get to cook for them. So it's a really big Eagles family that we're cooking for here. The other aspect of my career uh, that just started a couple years ago was the Feeding the Birds podcast, on which we focus on food and football through the uh, eyes and culture of Philadelphia. We interview coaches, players, staff, and chefs on the podcast to get behind the scenes and understand more about our favorite players on our favorite team through the foods that they like and the different things they eat to keep themselves going on to victory. So I'm a chef, I'm a podcaster, and they kind of marry hand in hand because I actually get to do two jobs I love under one roof at the same time. Now, we'll touch on the podcast a little bit later, and I want to focus on the, the role as first cook there at the Eagles. So you've been there for 12 years, is that right? That's correct. So you've seen lots of different players and, and coaches over the times. I mean, if, if I was to bring up players like, um, you know, and coaches like Andy Reid, would you remember what their sort of favorite meals were from, from back in the day? Absolutely, absolutely. Andy Reid uh, was a big fan of barbecue, big fan of hot wings liked his pizza and um he also had a nutritional side um used to used to be big at eating like healthy breakfast a lot of uh oatmeal granolas cottage cheese things like that he didn't really get too much of the heavy food i would say until we did something that we still continue to do to this day uh, we do something called barbecue or um fan food fridays where we provide the team with kind of a little bit of a cheat day in their um, 
in their schedule for the cafeteria. And Andy was a big proponent of that, um, where he wanted to have the pizza and the barbecue ribs and the pulled pork and the wings and, and cheesesteaks and, and everything that's great about being a fan of football and enjoying fan favorite food. We would have that on Fridays in our cafeteria. So Andy Reed definitely brought that uh, to the Eagles. And when Doug Peterson had uh, first become coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, he, he encouraged us to continue that tradition. <laughs> so talk to me about the, the players then. Let's start off with the, the, the defensive side of the ball. You've got Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. What sort of meals do they eat? These guys are uh, uh, they're pretty standard. I mean, like I said, when I'm directly involved with servicing these guys, I'm cooking directly for them. It's an open line in the kitchen, so they'll just walk up, tell me exactly what they want, uh, or any of the other chefs that we're working with, and we'll hook it up for them. They have basic breakfast, a lot of uh, you know egg whites, a lot of uh, leaner uh, meats like turkey bacon, turkey sausage. There's a full time smoothie bar that just runs almost 24 hours a day where they can get their you know protein powders and things like that going i would say fletcher and and brandon differ in that fletch has started eating a little bit healthier he's starting to tend more towards avocado and getting a lot more greens in his diet where brandon i'm not going to say doesn't eat healthy but he is a huge fan of steak and eggs at breakfast um i must make it for him two or three times a week used to like scrapple a lot too with his breakfast but he doesn't eat that much anymore but yeah steak and eggs huge thing for him um and just feeding these guys and getting them fired up for the day they're two wonderful uh players that we have and not not only on the field but their personalities are terrific i i really love interacting with them on a daily basis now you've been there for two stints of nick Foles. did, did you notice any habits that changed between his first and second stint Yes, yes, I did, actually. Um, when Nick first came here under Andy Reid, he pretty much ate a regular diet, just like everybody else. Uh, he would allow himself a couple of different guilty pleasures here and there. Um, a lot of the times, during the Nick Foles era, the first one, um, the players were kind of trying to one-up each other, inventing these really odd sandwiches or wraps and uh Nick and a, another player called Earl Wolf used to one-up each other on these sandwiches that they used to create. Um, one of them, I think, was like a cheeseburger with ham and bacon on it and french fries on uh, Texas toast. I mean, it was an amazing giant sandwich. I never really saw Nick dig in and eat one of those back in the day, but they, we would just make a ton of different stuff for them. They were uh, involved with like tuna melts and a lot of grilled cheese. And then, of course, Nick was let go and I didn't see him for a while when he came back his entire um diet plan had changed and I wouldn't even say I I thought that the diet uh, affected his play on the field um I always thought he was a fantastic player I mean under, under Andy Reid when he first got here he was, he was absolutely wonderful and we we're sorry to see him go when he when he uh, had first gone when he came back his diet was all about getting more into um healthier options and um different types of plant-based proteins and finding ways to be leaner and gather more energy. And uh, he taught me a few things, actually. Nick and I talked a lot about food, and I learned a lot about how to provide a different type of uh, breakfast or lunch or dinner um, using different seasonings, using uh, different types of cleaner, 
healthier uh, fats for cooking with and different types of products. And um, he, he really taught me a lot about the changing diet of an athlete based on their needs. So, you know, hats off to Nick Foles for just, you know, opening my eyes a little to the way nutrition is changing uh, in the NFL uh, based on player needs. So that's what I have to say about that. No, I've mentioned a few players there, but obviously with the NFL, you're getting players not just now from the, you know the different parts of the United States coming to to play. You know, international now with the likes of Jordan Mulata coming across from Australia. What what sort of challenges does that present for you? I think the challenges it presents, uh, especially with Jordan in the beginning, we didn't know if he was going to accept um, the food culture, not only of Philadelphia but you know the American food culture right away. So I kind of had to feel him out. In the beginning, he, he started uh, asking us for items from back home. Uh, wheat fix is something he asked for, which was a um, kind of like an oat-based. Uh, it's, it's weird. It's like a brick of compressed oats and grain and and wheat product um, that when you put it in milk, it just turns into like a mushy cereal. But it's really nutritive, and it's got a, it's it's pretty good for a carb breakfast. That's pretty huge in uh, Australia. And he asked me for um, Vegemite. Had to get some of that for him. He really wanted some of that. And uh, also this product called chicken salt, which I never had heard of, but apparently it's huge in Australia. They put it on their hot chips, uh, which for uh, any Americans listening, obviously those those are what we would call French fries over here. Um, But he got us involved in that, and a lot of people started using the chicken salt. So. I wouldn't say so much it was a challenge. It was just trying to find a way to bring a little piece of his culinary uh, home here with him to the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, we kind of rolled those seasonings and ingredients into some of the things we were making for him. He also is very uh, willing to try a lot of different foods. Um, recently had a, a chance to sit down with him on, a, on the podcast and talk about some of the things he's mystified about when it comes to American cuisine and why we do certain things certain ways um but finding out more about why these guys eat the way they do you know that educates me to make better choices when i'm cooking and the rest of the kitchen staff to provide them with a better quality meal it's going to help them on the field it's going to help them in the everyday uh in the training in the recovery so very happy to learn as much as i can about all our athletes but yeah it was it was a little little bit of a change uh, for us when Jordan came, just to try to make sure we're making him feel at home, but also giving him what he needs nutritionally. Who would you say that the healthiest players that you've uh, had over the last 12 years are? Nick Foles, definitely. Zach Ertz, uh, Carson Wentz. Let me see who else is really, really healthy. tough to, to think beyond those three because they really made so many strides in the last couple of years um, with the changes to their diet when it comes to health and nutrition and uh, focused on you know the the athlete just maintaining and uh, keeping the, the energy level high <clears throat> I'm trying to think of anybody else that just stands out I mean, there, we have a meal plan program here for the guys that helps them either maintain their weight, gain weight if they need to gain it, or lose it if they need to. And we work well with a nutritionist um, that directly interacts with the players via the fuel bar and body mass indexes and everything they do to keep these guys going strong. 
they work well with our chefs here in the um, cafeteria. So I would say there's a health plan in action for anybody that wants it or needs it. But the top three that come to mind for me, you know, healthiest eating, definitely Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and Nick Foles. What about anyone who's fussy? Fussy? Like picky people? Yes, picky. I wouldn't yeah. say, I wouldn't say they, they, there's too many picky eaters. I mean, we get questions about, you know, never heard of this before, or what's in this, or anything like that. More along the lines, I would say, we're more worried about um, any food allergies. We don't have too many guys uh, on the team with any worries like that. When Vin Curry played for us, I know he was allergic to mushrooms, and we had a couple of guys who were gluten-free. Uh, I know Malcolm Jenkins is vegan. I wouldn't call any of that picky, though. That's just mm. just eating for a purpose or if it's an allergy. When it comes to pickiness, I would say they're just like everybody else. Um, one of the greatest things I've learned working with the players uh, on the Philadelphia Eagles is that I can't really – I look at them as football players because that's their job and that's what they do, and we try to keep their nutrition you know, on point for that. But at the end of the day, they're just regular people as well. They just want a really good meal for their time. So we have no issue going and getting what any whatever anybody requires. Like when Jordan Volata asked us to bring in the uh, the wheat fix and the chicken salt and things like that, that offer is open to any one of our players or staff who's looking to get something in their diet that they require. Um, so I'd say I really don't have any picky eaters. I just have guys that you know know what they want. Um, guys who know what they need, and we work well with them to provide whatever they whatever they require. So you've talked about shipping items in from Australia for Jordan Malata. Obviously, you had the trip to London in the back end of October. What did you have to do differently there? Did you have to ship any products across from the States to the UK? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, there was a team that went out, I believe, once we realized we were going to be playing in London against the Jaguars this past season. There was a team that went out a year prior to that game. Did research on, you know, where the team would be staying, the foods that were available, things that maybe, you know, weren't available in the UK that they were used to here. Brought that intel back to uh, our chefs here. They then worked with all of the culinary team and the nutritionists to make sure that we had all the things the guys were used to on the fuel bar anything they were used to in the cafe when it came to condiments, um, specific types of um, protein that we wanted to make sure that the team had access to. And then there was just truckloads of stuff that got shipped over to England just for that week that the guys were there to make sure that they had exactly what they needed. Now, none of these guys is afraid to try, you know, foods from other cultures. Um, There was a lot of, British food available to them in the hotel where they stayed, but when they were having, you know, prep meals for uh, certain types of practices that they were running or training or weightlifting or anything, the nutrition aspect that we carry through here every day at the Eagles Novacare Complex was put in place in the UK by sending those specific items over. And that's nothing that we wouldn't have done for any other road game, you know, whether they're going to be in Los Angeles or if they're going to be in Texas, if they're going to be in Ohio, wherever they're going, they're taking a little bit of what they do here with them. They take the menus with them to the different hotels to make sure that there's specific proteins and carbs and vegetables and different ways of preparing them 
that are allowed um, for the team to maintain the exact um, to maintain the exact uh, things they that they need to do nutritionally when they're on the road. So all of that's in place to make sure these guys have what they need and the standards are met. And it was it was interesting just to hear like you know it took a year that the guys went out a year ahead of time to take a look at, you know, what the logistics of, of making the trip to the UK. I mean, our, ours was a very small part. You know, we were just ordering the products and making sure they got sent off, you know, and talking with the, um, the chefs over the phone. But what our executive chef, James Searles did is he actually went out with the team to um, England and worked with the chefs in the hotel to, work on those specific game day menus and the night before the game menus and things that the guys were used to. So here at the Novacare, the guys that were still here, we had a, a smaller role, but our executive chef did make the trip um, and worked with the team while they were over in the UK. So that was an amazing experience for him. There's actually, uh, I think on the podcast, I did an interview with him earlier uh, this season. He goes into detail about that. Speaking of the UK and Philly and bringing food across from Philly, have you got any examples of meals people here in the UK can make at home that has an authentic Philly flavour to it? I would say, yeah, there, there's a couple different things. Um, a lot of times when people think of Philadelphia, the first thing that pops into their head is cheesesteak. And there is a way to, to, to make that if you don't have access to uh, a lot of like the uh, – prepared foods that you you would go into uh using if you're going to just make like a like a regular philly cheesesteak if i don't know how much access there is to uh like ribeye steaks or anything over in the uk i have to do more research on it myself but most of the time like shaved ribeye uh is essentially what's used for a cheesesteak and then we either use a product named cheese whiz or uh provolone or american cheese on cheesesteaks here um here at the eagles we don't actually use cheese whiz we make our own cheese sauce if, if they do want that we make it from scratch um but i would say if you're going to make a good philly cheesesteak in england you got to get the right type of beef you want some shaved ribeye you chop it up really well on a really hot uh griddle or in a hot uh cast iron pan or whatever you can add in onions or peppers anything you might want to spice it up and then you're going to want to have the right type of cheese um, whether that be provolone or American, those are usually traditional or some type of cheese sauce. And then, of course, you need to have a really good roll. Um, the cheesesteak roll is a, I mean, the roll is as important as the meat that's inside of it. And I would say to make a authentic Philly cheesesteak in, in the UK, you need um, maybe about seven or eight inches long, a nice soft roll on the inside. It's got a little bit of crust on the outside. That'll make up a perfect Philly cheesesteak. I'm not sure if you're aware, there's a, a Philly-themed dive bar in London called Passyonk Avenue, and from speaking to people from Philadelphia who are over in London for the game against the Jaguars, they were saying it's the best cheesesteak they've had outside of Philly. It doesn't come close to, to anything else. So people in here in the UK have, do have access if they can get themselves to London to go to, to Passyonk Avenue, but it's it's good to hear that it's possible to try and uh, make up your own um, regardless of where you are in the UK. Tell yeah, me about. I, Sorry, go on. I'm very aware of that of that bar. Um, I think what that gentleman is doing is fantastic. It's 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 literally like a tiny slice of, of Philadelphia right there in the UK. And I uh, took a look at their menu online and just saw how much 
uh, fun and, and the terrific food that was being put out by that place when the fans were over there for the, for the, uh, the UK game against the Jaguars. And I think what that guy's doing is fantastic. I hope he keeps doing it for years to come. And so does every single Eagles fan here in the UK. So talk to me about the Feeding the Birds podcast. Where did the idea come from and um, how easy is it to get the players on and the, the coaches and the staff to, to talk about their food? The idea for Feeding the Birds was something that I came up with, um, I want to say back in June of 2017. It was right before we were about to kind of have a slower period where the players take a little bit of a vacation before training camp starts. And I've been listening to tons of podcasts. I, I devour podcasts. I must be listening to about 20 different ones, even you know right now. Uh, they've kind of taken over my listening uh, from music. I, I do still love to listen to music, but most of the time in my car, or even in my uh, Bluetooth headset in the morning while I'm doing some prep before a lot of uh, other folks get in, I've got podcasts running. And the more food podcasts I listen to, the more I realize that I was really in a kind of a niche market where I am working as a chef. There's tons of food podcasts out there, but nothing about sports nutrition directly from a chef that works in an organization inside the NFL. Um, there wasn't anything out there like that. And I said, well, I know so much about how I cook for these guys and I want to know more about how to cook for them. And they're the only ones that could tell me that. And so it's kind of like, uh, I had ulterior motives in developing this podcast because I, it'll make me a better chef. I can talk to them and find out what foods they really like and, you know, what they're, what they're really looking for and what they like in our cafeteria, what they don't like, and just really talk to them a lot about Philadelphia food. So I pitched the idea to uh, our Eagles production team. Uh, it was a meeting I never thought I'd get. I sat down in the meeting. I had a couple of notes in front of me, and I was like, I'm just going to give this a shot. You know, even if they say, no, nah, we're not interested, at least I took a shot. And they kind of just jumped on the idea, and they thought it was a great idea, and we had to flesh it out kind of come up with a format from, from when I had the idea in June to when I pitched it in August to actually coming up with the format and getting our first interview took almost till October. Uh, our first interview was with Carson Wentz. And we also interviewed one of our uh, performance nutrition chefs at the time. Uh, we talked about making player meals and snacks and different nutrition items. We talked to Carson about growing up uh, in North Dakota and, different likes and dislikes he has uh, at the Eagles Cafe and what his favorite thing to eat was. And the podcast just went off from there. Uh, tried to keep developing the format and keep getting players. And the interesting thing about trying to run a podcast with direct interviews of players and coaches during a football season like 2017 was at the beginning when all this started, I mean, even in October, we didn't know they were going to go to the Super Bowl. We always hope every year we're going to the Super Bowl. But as it, they just kept winning and winning and winning, it became harder and harder to book players. Um, it became impossible to book coaches, but it became harder and harder to book players on the podcast. So it was by the grace of the players like Carson Wentz, Jordan Hicks, Brent Selleck, Trey Burton, uh, Mac Hollins, Chris Maragos, uh, a lot of the other guys I talked to. It was purely by the grace of them that they agreed to do the podcast. I work really close with these guys and I got to know them pretty well before the podcast was even an idea. 
they were pretty much gone. Like, you know, we think you're cool. We'll, we'll give you a shot. Um, so yeah, I've just been very lucky and very honored to, to be able to even do this. Coaches, it was so hard to get coach interviews. I had to wait till after the season was over and we were in the postseason well past the parade. Uh, and of course, the wonderful victory we had over the Patriots um, in 2017-2018. Um, but it's continued to develop. And so it's easier for me to get player interviews when I can make the time for them around their schedule. I also have a schedule I have to stick to based on their meal times and based on what my production is like in the kitchen. So I have to kind of juggle the player schedules, my schedule, the kitchen schedule, and production schedule to get into the studio and actually do the interview. There's been times we were, we were just unable to do it, and we have to move on to whoever we can get in there. But it's always an engaging interview. It's always a fun time. And it's always an interview with someone who I've never had a chance to sit down and talk with before so in-depth about their food culture. So I do want to do more coach interviews. It just seems that these guys are so busy. I think a lot of times they work harder than the players. Um, they're, there are many, many hours a day. So I try to not ask too much of them. And as we can get players in the in the studio and interview them, we'll, we, we take those interviews very seriously and we have a lot of fun. Yeah, the Feeding the Birds podcast is one that I do strongly recommend to, to UK listeners. It gives you that sort of different insight into the, the world of the Philadelphia Eagles. And as UK fans, I don't know whether the US fans are the same, but any piece of content to do with the Eagles, we, we lap up and, you know, anything to, like I say, give us that different insight. Now, on the Feeding the Birds podcast, you do a, a bit of a quick fire round with, with the guests. And I just want to fire some of the questions at you. What's your favorite food? My favorite food is a toss-up between sea scallops and lamb chops. Uh, if either one of those is on a menu when I'm out to eat, which is a rarity because I cook so much, I cook a lot at home too. Um, but if you know, there's time a week to go out to eat, me and my wife, either one of those is on the menu. That's my go-to. So I love scallops. I love lamb chops. What about on the flip side? Anything you hate? I'm not too fond of olives. I don't know why, because I kind of like other things that are like olives, like capers and and pickles. But I don't know. There's just something about the olive, the brininess of it. It, it. it kind of reminds me of anchovies, which I'm not too fond of, even though I will use anchovies in cooking for the flavor it develops. It's a real oddity with me. But yeah, olives has never been a, a favorite of mine. And I'm also not a fan of liver at all. Okay. What about the strangest, whether it's something you've been asked to cook or something you've you've ordered or, or cooked yourself? Strangest thing I've ever been asked to cook. I actually told this story on the podcast. I'll tell I'll tell it to you though again. Um my wife had some friends that decided they were gonna have a Viking wedding. That was their theme, and during this wedding they were going to cosplay and dress up like uh viking men and viking ladies and uh knowing i'm a chef and knowing i'd be attending they asked me if i wouldn't mind preparing some scandinavian food for their uh bridal party to feast on during the um reception i had no idea what i was getting into and so i looked up traditional scandinavian dishes and there's uh you know whale blubber is, is a huge thing uh in scandinavia um in norway um reindeer or caribou I couldn't get any of that in this country. There's, we, we don't have a way to do that. I'm sure there, there are some 
caribou farms and things, um, maybe up in Canada and things like that. But I didn't, where I was at the time in upstate New York, I didn't have the way to get that type of protein. I definitely couldn't get uh, whale whale meat or whale blubber. So, unbeknownst to the the party, I went and got the, the best cuts of steak I could find. Uh, researched traditional Scandinavian and Viking cooking techniques um, in a few different history sites that I'd found online about uh, ancient cuisine um, and utilized what they would have had available to flavor their meat. Um, I think when I did that, the Vikings would have been able to use uh, herbs that were growing in that region, um, wine, honey, not so much a lot of other types of seasonings. Obviously, I put some salt and pepper in there. But I took this really good cut of meat, marinated it the way I thought as close to I could get with the, the Vikings would have done. And then I cooked it over an open bonfire on the end of a long, sharpened pole that I had best man sharpened for me with this giant pickaxe that he had. It was completely razor sharp. And he's just shearing off these big pieces of wood off the pole. And I stick all the meat on. And then we sharp this huge bonfire, which is roaring about, I don't know, three or four feet above my head and I step up and I'm wearing chain mail and this uh, really <laughs> wacky shirt. I stick the meat into the fire and I cook it and I put it on a platter and slice it and I bring it up before the bridal party and I say, I, I have, you know, reindeer meat from Norway and they were completely thrilled. But uh, no, it was just really good USDA, wonderful Angus beef. Um, and the guys told me it was the best reindeer they ever had. So as far as they know, it still is. Well, I, I, I don't think they're going to be listening to this podcast, uh, but so I'm sure the secret's safe there. Um, now, moving away from your role with the team, you're actually a fan of the Eagles as well. And it, what are your thoughts on the off-season so far, and what would you like to see the Eagles do over the next few weeks? I'd like to see them do what they've, they've, they've kept on doing. Um, the moves that they make are... You know, I'm just, I just leave it up to them. I really I tend to focus on the cooking. As a fan, I just want to see them get as many possible guys in place to give Carson the chance to just work his magic. And I think the, the, the uh, organization knows exactly what it's doing to do that. Um, really happy with the extensions that were given to uh, Jason Kelsey and Brandon Graham and uh, – Isaac and a couple other guys. I just think it, it, it's, I always imagine it's like they're just trying to get all their pieces in a row to just go to battle and do a really great job of doing that. And I have full faith in the Eagles organization to just bring us a really good uh, 2019 football season. I think it's going to be a really good season. Uh, we're all fired up. I mean, the, the Super Bowl high, I don't think, has really left this town since we won. We did want to go back. This past year, we made it through the wild card into the playoffs, and I, I think the fervor is still there. Um, I think I think we, we have a good shot at going again. And working with these guys as close as I do, I'm, I'm just really excited to see what they can do this next season. Fantastic. Tim, obviously there's the Feeding the Birds podcast where people can subscribe to that and, and stay up to date that way, but how can people follow you on social media? I have an Instagram. Uh, you guys can look up. It's, it's a weird handle, but I'm, I'm going to give it to you. Uh, chef 
that's C-H-E-F dot Tim, T-I-M, dot P-H-L dot Eagles. And the cool part about Instagram is when you type chef dot, usually I'm the first one that comes up. So, and I don't mean dot like spell out D-O-T, but like the period. So chef period dot, or sorry, chef period Tim period P-H-L period Eagles. Uh, on the Instagram there, you can find posts that we make from Feeding the Birds about new guests that we have and when the shows air. Um, we also have pictures of different things that we do here at the Eagles Novacare Complex. Uh, one of the things we like to feature is called Devour the Competition, where we take uh, specific cities that the team is playing and work on what the best food is that's being offered or what the favorite tailgate food is of that city. We cook it in the cafeteria, we serve it up, and the idea behind that is we eat like them, then we can think like them, kind of get inside their head, and then on Sunday we can go out and you know kick their butt. Fantastic. So the message to all UK Eagles fans is make sure you subscribe to the Feeding the Birds podcast and also go and, fo- go and follow uh, Tim on Instagram. Tim, thank you so much for your time on the British Eagles podcast. Thank you very much for having me. I want to say to all British Eagles fans, thank you very much for pulling for us across the pond. We are pulling for you. We love our fans as much as they love us. And uh, just keep faith in your Philadelphia Eagles because we are going to go far. So it was great to chat to Tim and find out more about what's going on in the kitchens at the Novacare Complex. I'm really enjoying getting to know all the different people who work there at the Philadelphia Eagles, and I hope you are too. If there's anyone in particular or any department that you'd like me to to try and get an interview with to find out more about what goes on um, across the pond, let me know and we'll try and make that happen. As I said at the top of the show, this podcast is brought to you in association with Passion Avenue. Passion Avenue is the place to be in the UK if you're a Philadelphia sports fan. They're based in London. It's a dive bar. They've got the cheesesteaks. They've got the wings. They've got the beers. Everything is just Philly related. So if you've not been down there, go and check it out. And they've also got their range of Passion Avenue merchandise as well. So if you've already been and you absolutely love the place and you want to have a little bit of Passion Avenue at home, go and check out their online shop. Have a look at the T-shirts. Have a look at the coasters and get ordering. That's it from me. There's still free agency left. There's still the draft. It's going to be an incredible off-season as we continue to progress through. So until next time, fly, Eagles, fly.